Welcome to We Fish ASA, the best start fishing show on the radio or the internet in the entire USA. I'm Steve Surley. My partner is Dave Kranz. We Fish ASA is always pleased to offer you conversation with the most interesting, the most informative, the most entertaining, as well as some of the biggest names in the world of fishing. We Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association. In particular, St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Calcutta, makers of a line of products that fit your fishing lifestyle and fashion. And Iowa. They've got your bass covered. Boy, they sure do. Iowa reels. Don't forget that We Fish ASA presents a new episode of our one-hour podcast each and every week. Available 24-7 everywhere you get your podcasts. And don't forget to check out our website, wefishasa.com. We Fish ASA is produced by Brad Neerman from Berserk Productions down in Lando Lakes, Florida. Hey there, Bradley. How you doing? I hope all is well. On today's show, we welcome Dan Johnston from St. Croix. Dave Kranz will bring on an excellent guest from Calcutta, as he does each and every week. And then I get to visit with Keith O'Shea. He's fishing the elites. He's fishing Major League Fishing. He just fished the Bassmaster Classic. He just won a huge event in Major League Fishing down on Cherokee Lake. Keith Poche, can't wait to talk to him. But first, let me swing it over to Dave Kranz. Take it away, David. As Steve said, I am Dave Kranz. This is the We Fish ASA podcast, and this segment is brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Welcome back, Dan Johnson. Hey, Dave, how are you? Oh, I am good. And I'm excited about uh, today's topic because it's one of the fav- my favorite ways to catch them and to see them hit topwater. I want to talk about lures and presentations using topwater, and I know you love to do it too. Well, if you think about me, first of all, that's a, that's an affirmative. <laughs> I don't know if there's a more fun way to catch them, but I would take this a little, you know, at least it, it, part of this to a little different topic than you probably you were even going is there's a if you understand insect entomology um and how a lot of insect the mayflies the classic example of where i'm going on all Mm -hmm. and i repeat all species in a lake from walleye to uh smallmouth bass for sure obviously to largemouth bluegills oh bluegills right so you know they're that when that insect gets in that big drake form with wings or when they're laying flat on the surface laying eggs um you the fish eat them big time and a lot lot of anglers will be out on the lake and they'll see these little dimples out there and they'll go oh is it raining you know what's going on and a lot of times a lot bigger fish than you think it is so this is way bigger than bass and obviously a lot of the top water baits we have for bass are categorized as ones where we're trying to just get a reaction bite or not really imitating anything. We just want to throw it in there and get them mad and have them hit it. Then there's a even bigger category that imitates the different the frogs, right? The bait fish on the surface, uh, uh, the insects or whatever it is. And that's where all these bait categories fall into play. And then the rods are all different. The cadences, the water temperatures, the species, the time of year, all that plays in. It's a huge topic, but one thing is for sure. And you see a lot of this on TV when you watch the pros on the bass side is somebody's pretty much almost always throwing one at some point throughout some tournament unless it's some brutal cold front or super early in the spring or something that's just throwing them way off of that but it is absolutely lethal a lot of times it's a big fish pattern as well 
It, it is. And, you know, last week we talked about search baits and we didn't even really bring up top water. But boy, in certain times of the year, the top water is a great search bait and is a, a way to find fish and find big ones. Well, it's one of the best ones because take a buzz bait, for example. Look where you can throw that thing and not hang it up. Short of real sloppy vegetation right in it, the stuff that wrap around the blades. Short of that, you can run the thing over wood. You can actually skip it if you rig it right under a dock or any type of structure. And uh, you can fish it in eight inches of water or sometimes it'll come up out of 10, 20 if the water's clear enough. So, yeah, it, I mean, there's no question. It's a it's a huge um topic uh but it's but it's important because you know you go into a store you go into your store dave and you'll see top waters that are two inches long all the way up to things you you almost need to throw in a musky rod and these are all bass baits uh the ones i'm talking about and people probably get overwhelmed like why in the world would i throw this one versus this one um and there's there's definitely a method to it most importantly is probably the water conditions. If it's a little dirtier or a little windy, obviously we need to throw, throw them something they can find. Um, a whole other topic of discussion is the size of bait fish, and that's what I've seen more than ever, whether it's a shad spawn or whether the shad are just small a certain time of year. And there's times, Dave, I've pulled my hair out because I've had bass blowing up on riprap, and I absolutely cannot catch them till I figure out to, to throw a little tiny pop bar out there and let it sit, and they'll smoke it. Uh, so there's, there's, it's more than just tying one on and, you know, looking up Bassmaster and finding some chat room and throwing something because somebody caught it, caught them on it. It's, we really need to understand why they're eating at certain top waters and what conditions dictate throwing what. And let's say we even figure out the size. Let's say you figure it's a Zara spook one knocker and they're biting it good. Well, there's times we're fishing that thing so fast, it's humanly incomprehensible, almost to the point where you're fishing too stiff a rod because it's it's going so fast, you can't fish it too fast. And then there's other times they will not bite it that way, and it's more of a much smooth, slow walk, tantalizing thing. So within each topwater category, there's a huge topic about how to fish it and why. Absolutely, and and I you mentioned us a pop R, and a lot of times you and how fast we're moving it. This all plays into that with the pop R. You pop it, and move it, and so many of my hits come when you're doing nothing to it because it starts tilting backwards. And whether you have a feather tail or you have some tinsel on there, that is still movement and their movement to me is life. And so many of these fish will grab it then. And we need to figure out how fast, how big, and and that's that's part of the presentation part of top water. Well, that's when you let the fish tell you what to do. You know, when Rick Klun put the pop R on the map back in the whenever that was, early 80s probably, the bait was designed, if you look at the mouth, and some of the best ones to this day, I don't want to get any lure companies mad at me, but some of the best ones to this day were those back then in that day, the way that mouth was designed. And it was designed to imitate a spitting, feeding bait fish or something attacking a spitting eating big fish so it was he always talked about that real you know pop 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 and there's no doubt they bite that with that way big time probably better than any other presentation however the last two three years for me personally i still throw the bait all the time i i've got those old ones and i'll, I'll change the hooks out on them and whatever but a lot of times it's throwing in there one little baby pop and then nothing 
and the current's just sucking it down the riprap and it's sitting there dead still and if you pop it they won't bite it and if you don't they'll come up and they don't blow it up they just suck it under and that takes me back to fly fishing they they're convinced that's something real that's not a reaction strike when they don't blow it up and they come up and sip it that's not a reaction strike they're trying to eat it and and there's so, there's certain baits where you can fish them way too fast in certain scenarios especially in real high pressured areas yeah, absolutely. And one that comes to mind that I love, especially early in the spring, is the, the Bagley uh, uh, spin tail. And, and that can be so much fun. And so many times after you move that, you, you don't want to move it again because the next thing they're going to do is give you that telltale swirl underneath. And you you, you want to move it, but you, you shouldn't. And because the next thing they're doing is they're either sucking it down or, or just coming over the top of it and eating it. And uh, what, what a blast. It gets me excited thinking about what's coming up here. Well, yeah, and, and back to the bluegill topic, the biggest mistake you can make is, you know, pop, 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 pop. You know, to throw it in there and literally do nothing. If you want to open a Mountain Dew and sit down, fine. But if it's in the right area, they're going to see that thing and they're going to convince it's real and all they hear is a little smack on the surface and he's got it. And more, you know, less is more, uh, especially for bluegills. And it's it's absolutely a blast on the fly fishing side, but you can also do it with little spin stuff and, you know, just have a blast with them. But again, that, that, that cadence, that cadence thing is really important and time of year can can dictate that too i mean generally speaking in the fall is when i'm throwing the biggest nastiest top waters i have in my box i mean stuff that i'm throwing heavy heavy line on and big rods and trying to cover a lot of water making a ton of commotion in super shallow water and in the springtime i don't have near as much luck with that matter of fact i've downsized my poppers my buzz baits the trailers everything uh to get more bites and that could be pressure but it could i think it's more time of year for me yeah, uh, time of year and maybe water temperature. They definitely get more aggressive as the water temperature gets up. And uh, I like to start throwing top waters when it gets around 55 degrees. Do you have a, a set number or or when you start to do it, to put down the, the jerk bait and pick up a top water or, or do you just kind of feel that or maybe see fish hitting the surface? It's a great, it's a, that's a, such a great question. And, you know, I've struggled with this for years because I always used to be a water temperature guy, like 55, like you, 52, whatever. But I've found more and more that a type of lake matters because you can have areas like they have dead pad stems with dark bottoms to them. And that sun warms that way, way, way quicker than cold water and, you know, uh, deep water and, and uh, flat shale rock and things like that. So I'm throwing a top water a lot earlier than a lot of people would even realize if the lake or the river sets up to where you've got those. And you know exactly what I'm talking about when I'm talking about that type of bottom. It's darker. It's got matted stuff on the bottom. It's It, it absorbs a lot of uh, heat. Bait fish get in there usually first more than anywhere else. Now, I'm not fishing it super fast, but I'm definitely fishing it colder than I ever thought I would. But it's very specific, not doing that everywhere for sure. No, and, and I totally agree with you. It, it may not be main lake or a main lake point or even a secondary point, but some of those bays and some of those channels and backwaters are going to heat up faster. And when you wouldn't even think about throwing a top water out on the main body, 
in those back areas, you definitely can, and it can be very effective. And uh, it doesn't have to be a water temperature thing. And maybe it's the amount of bait fish that you see in an area, activity from other things. Uh, the other thing, we're both big on wildlife. When I see frogs or hear frogs and see turtles, you better be throwing top water. Yeah, and that is a 50-degree water deal. And you look at crayfish, you look at all, all these things that start to come up. You start seeing the, the heron stand on the bank, and you see the painted turtle on top of the log. And you look down at your temperature graph, and that's just where it's going to be. you know. But again, if you get a scenario where you're in the back of a bay and it's a real dark bottom, and you can get just on the front side of that, like low 50-degree water temperature, um, I've caught them in that. And I never thought I would, but, it's the, but usually when I get back in a scenario like that, the vegetation isn't up enough number one where i can physically get to it but you'll start seeing bluegills swimming around back there and they're just kind of they want to go there i mean they're programmed that way they're like us i mean they want to get in nice comfortable water temperature you get that real warm day to your point if the main lake temperature is still according to the book there's no way they're going to bite this and man you go back in a bay and the sun's on it right it's on a north shoreline and sun's been beating it's the afternoon and it's just starting to creep up there i've caught them doing that and sometimes they're the biggest ones another great way to catch them in that scenario is a soft plastic uh jerk bait not necessarily talking about a sinko obviously we know they'll bite that but more like a fluke or something where you're dead sticking it you throw it out there stick stick and let it slide and just let it do nothing and fall i've caught a lot of them doing that in colder water than i ever thought i could and it's something that's Again, it's just letting the, the situation dictate it, but we'll always be looking what's going on under the water instead of just what the book says. Absolutely. Always great information from a Dan Johnson. Thanks, my friend, and we'll talk to you again next week. Hey, Dave, thanks so much. Oh, no problem. That was Dan Johnson. I am Dave Kranz, and this segment was brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on earth. The Wheatfish ASA podcast will be right back. Rule your water. Rule it with a St. Croix rod. Whether you take to the lake, wade the rivers, or cast from shore, St. Croix provides responsive performance, ensuring your success below every surface. With a St. Croix rod in hand, you're a part of a celebrated tradition that has spanned 70 years. Touch, power, and control are right at your fingertips and extend to you the finest fishing experience on the planet. St. Croix, the best rods on earth. The outdoors is more than just a profession for us here at Big Rock Sports. As avid anglers, hunters, and outdoor enthusiasts, it's our passion. So advocating on behalf of the outdoor sporting goods industry is a top priority for us. Big Rock Sports is proud to serve as the voice and advocate of outdoor sporting goods retailers across the nation. Big Rock Sports works tirelessly to protect our fisheries and anglers' rights. Big Rock Sports, we are here for you. I'm professional angler Kevin Van Dam, and people always ask me, what's the best and easiest way to catch fish? Well, that's simple. Keep our waterways clean and free of litter. You know, tossing your worn out lures in the lake is not a winning move. Pitch them in the trash. Do your part and join me. Visit KeepAmericaFishing.org and pledge to pitch it. Welcome back to the Wheatfish ASA podcast. I am Dave Kranz, and this segment is brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. I always like to say that every guest I get to interview on this segment has a passion for the outdoors. My next guest certainly does. He also has a passion to get others and help others involved in the outdoors. 
He is Scott Graves, Executive Director of Special Ops Excursions. Welcome to the program, Scott. Hey, glad to be here. Thanks for your time. Oh, no problem. Glad to have you on. Uh, what a great cause to help uh, servicemen and women that are active to get out and enjoy the outdoors. Uh, they have a passion for it. You have a passion for it. Uh, tell me how you got started in this and a little bit about the group. Yes, sir. So the background is uh, I owned a small hunting camp in western Tennessee. Uh, my friends and myself wanted to get back to the military. We hosted a few wounded warrior hunts, uh, probably, you know, 15 years ago time frame. Uh, go back to like 10 years ago, 2012. I was visiting a Green Beret buddy of mine and his wife at Fort Lewis in Washington State and talking to Brian about his op tempo, how often he deploys. Uh, training constantly uh, with the war on terror. He's just gone constantly. Uh, and our idea was we'll open up our hunting camp to Brian's men, Green Berets, the first group. Uh, and that was basically how it started. Uh, first guys came out from fifth group out of Fort Campbell, Kentucky in 2013 for our annual dove hunt. We had a great time. Uh, didn't really know what to expect or what was next for us. Uh, but the guys kind of took charge the Green Beret way. Uh, invited us back out to a small meal with them on base like the following week. Uh, there were probably eight or ten guys at that lunch. It was more Green Berets on base who loved the outdoors. Uh, they grew up in small towns across the U.S., not at Fort Campbell, uh, hunting and fishing like all of us did. Uh, but being at Fort Campbell, they lacked places to go. Uh, they did not have time to go out and scout public ground. They lacked the resources for leases. Uh, and they were looking for a place to go. So once again, my buddies and I kind of stepped up, offered up our farms in you know, West Tennessee for these guys, uh, and more men kept calling, more families kept calling. Um, things quickly grew from you know, maybe eight guys the first year, probably 50 guests the second year, uh, all the way, fast forwarding 10 years later to 2022, uh, about 930 guests all operators, uh, Green Berets, Navy SEALs, MARSOC within the Marine Corps, uh, AFSOC, PJs, CCTs, come to our events now with their spouses and kids all across the U.S. and the world. Um, yeah, that's awesome. Simply awesome. Um, I don't want to, uh, we'll give this at the end too, but if people are interested in, in helping, uh, donating property to hunt on or, or fishing boat that they have that they would like to let take people out on guide trips or whatever the case may be across the country, how do people get a hold of you to participate or in any way to participate as a, a, a active service member or to donate? It's super easy. Our website is special opsexcursions.org uh, we do spell excursions a little funny we drop the e so it's x c u r s i o n s dot o r g we're also on instagram and facebook find us on there excellent excellent so um uh what are what are some of the the you, you talked about the first trip? What are some of the highlights? Any trips stick out in your mind that that were something really special that somebody wanted to do? Uh, there are a lot of really cool trips. We were very blessed to have some really nice donors in Africa. Uh, Lekulu Safaris, they invite two of our guys out every year for hmm. this bucket list during month. Uh, Springbuck, Bellsbuck, Impala, uh, Kudu, it's all these cool things. We do some nice lotteries on base at Fort Campbell. Uh, to get two guys out for this all-inclusive, again, 
once in a lifetime trip for two guys. And yeah, yeah, that's a big one. All of our waterfowl hunts are a huge hit. Uh, the men love the camaraderie of waterfowl hunting. You got four or five guys that are butt blind together, you know, eating butt blind bacon and sausage and eggs, or shooting ducks, or laughing at the guys who miss. Uh, <laughs> the boys really love that one. Uh, of course, fishing, a big hit. Uh, we do deep sea fishing in Destin to Lake Ontario, fly fishing in Alaska. That was our first time going there last year for 10 Raiders. They had a blast. I think a few, few of the guys are going to go back this year or next year on their own. They loved it that much. Yeah, yeah, that's great. And and how great that is to be able to uh, give this to them as a thank you for uh, what they do for our country because we, you and I wouldn't be able to go out and do our hunting or fishing or our daily uh, lives without the the services of these people that, that keep us safe. Agreed. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's not only news that we're still at war, but our men are still in the fight all across the globe for our freedoms. This is a way way to honor them for their service and sacrifices. Yep, absolutely. Uh, So going going forward, um, is there a goal of trying to get more people out or continue just what you're doing or or what what is the plan currently? No, the goal is always to grow. Uh, I would say of the 900 guests we had last year, there were another 100-plus guys who contacted us that we simply lacked the volunteer space to facilitate the trip for the guys. So more volunteers are greatly needed uh, and needed in key areas near base. Again, they're very busy with training, deployments, and families. So anybody uh, in the Carolinas area, Virginia, uh, I would say Tennessee, Kentucky area, Colorado, Washington State, Oregon, near these, you know, main bases where we can easily get the men and their families to the volunteer, to the host. Yeah. Uh, and those are needed. But again, we do events across the entire U.S. in every state. So anybody out there who's willing to help out, that's for sure talk. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be a trip to Africa or or Alaska, like you said, uh, a, a dove hunt. If somebody plants uh, sunflowers and they have the ability to have, you know, that's a, a hunt that you can cover. Sometimes six, eight, ten guys on the same same day, which would, is good. Or a pheasant hunt or a waterfowl hunt, something like that. Uh, and in those areas, obviously, anywhere that's close to a military base is probably the the most handy, and uh, and that makes a lot of sense. Yes, sir. Spot on. Yeah, no. That I think it's it's really uh, special. Do most of these people uh, need to be outfitted uh, uh, because of their their traveling and for the country and for their service? Um, do do you need to provide maybe a, a bow or a, or a shotgun for them to do these hunts? I would say sometimes is the best answer. Like I know uh, for waterfowl hunting, for example. Uh, we do have uh, Bandit, the corporate sponsor. We have a garage full of probably 30 pairs of waders. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, retail shotguns. Those are our shotguns for us. So if a guy from base flies in to Arkansas for a duck hunt, we can ship waders, shotguns, shotgun shells, all the gear to save that man, you know, thousands of dollars a year. He's not buying. He can simply borrow that, go on the hunt. When the hunt is wrapped up, they mail it back to us. So it makes it super easy. Uh, you know, it's a weird thing, not a weird thing, but a funny thing. A lot of guys in the military love bow hunting for deer. And you know, we do a lot of bow hunts across the country. And it's a weird thing. So many of these guys have their own bows. Uh, it's just a fun backyard release of stress. Yeah. They may not really be hunters, but they're backyard archery. You know, archery. 
Yeah, and most of the bow hunters are are pretty passionate about it to where they practice and they want to make that that right shot. And they they're uh, they're a lot of them are, are I know being a bow hunter myself very picky about the type of animal that you want to harvest unless you're in a place that they're saying hey we want to take some does out of here and they're excellent to eat. I'm sure many of your hunters are in that that same camp. Yes, sir. And yeah, what a, what a great opportunity. Uh, um, to, to get these people out. Let's give this again right here. Special Ops Excursions, drop the to, to donate, to participate, to get involved. And uh, doesn't have to be hunting, can be fishing. I, there's a lot of uh, bases around the country uh, that are on the uh, saltwater or inland next to great bodies of water for bass fishing or striper fishing or, or crappies. And uh, this is a great release to get these people uh, uh, just a little break, huh? Yes, sir. Yeah, a simple weekend off base is a huge reset because, you know, Monday morning they're back to work for our freedoms. So uh, it means a lot to them, to everyone involved. Yeah, I I just think it's a great, great uh, uh, thing that you're doing. And to be involved in that, it's got to be very rewarding for you and the others that donate their time and their efforts to uh, get these uh, brave uh, men and women uh, out for, like you said, a weekend away and... uh, really uh, would like to see people uh, that are listening to this program that have the opportunity to donate uh, for these special people that take care of us uh, to uh, specialopexcursions.org. Go to it, give Scott a call, send him an email, and uh, get some people involved. And uh, absolutely thank you for your time, Scott. And I don't think it'll be the last time we're talking to you. I would uh, love to be able to call you back and get an update in the future. We'd love that, sir. Excellent. That was Scott Grave, Executive Director from SpecialOpsExcursions.org. I am Dave Kranz, and this segment was brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. The We Fish ASA podcast will be right back. The outdoors is more than just a profession for us here at Big Rock Sports. As avid anglers, hunters, and outdoor enthusiasts, it's our passion. So advocating on behalf of the outdoor sporting goods industry is a top priority for us. Big Rock Sports is proud to serve as the voice and advocate of outdoor sporting goods retailers across the nation. Big Rock Sports works tirelessly to protect our fisheries and anglers' rights. Big Rock Sports, we are here for you. Calcutta Outdoors, from bluegill to bluefin, Calcutta Outdoors has the innovative outdoor recreational brands that consumers are looking for. We offer a wide range of trusted products, from fishing rods, combos, and tackle to coolers, drinkware, outdoor apparel, and marine accessories. Calcutta Outdoors. Bass anglers have heard it all when it comes to manufacturers having the best casting rail. Well, Daiwa can back it up with the Tatula SV. The Tatula SV has three key features that make it the most versatile casting reel on the market today. The SV spool is a lightweight aluminum spool allowing for long control light lure casting. MAG4Z gives you the option to set a precise casting range no matter what lure or wind situation. The Daiwa T-Wing system reduces line angle and friction when casting. Distance, control, and finesse like no other reel on the market. Tatula, the ultimate finesse long cast system designed by Daiwa. (laughs) 
Welcome back to We Fish ASA. I'm Steve Surley. We Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association. Please help to ensure the future of fishing by visiting keepamericafishing.org. And if you are an industry professional in any manner, please consider joining the American Sport Fishing Association by visiting them at asafishing.org. With us right now is one of the busiest fisherman on the professional bass tour and i think he is a reason why we don't have to worry so much about the future of fishing because he's out there setting a great example he can fish he, he's a great educator he's a great uh idol to a lot of people he does a great job so that's a wonderful example and he's doing some things that i think make it look like fishing is more accessible. Uh, he's not always out there in a 21-foot, $100,000 boat. There are times that he fishes in an 18-foot boat and uh, makes it look like he is an everyman to a lot of people. Please welcome the winner of the recent Major League Fishing event on Cherokee Lake. He is the one and only Keith Poche. Keith, welcome. Thanks, thank you, sir. Thanks for having me, man. Oh, glad glad to have you. And it, it's interesting. You're you're uh, you're originally from Louisiana. Yes, sir. That is correct. I say, currently live in Alabama now. You know, I can't believe you have lost some of that uh, uh, Louisiana Cajun accent you had grown up with. Uh, do you find do you find people telling you that that's leaving you? <laughs> well, you know, I've, I've kind of had it. i got a little bit of it, but, you know, growing up where I grew up was kind of central Louisiana. I wasn't too, too far south, so I, I didn't really have the deep, deep swing, uh, if you will, uh, from the get-go. So I, it's, I still got a little bit, but, uh, yeah, I got a little redneck in me, too. Hey, I, I said at uh, one time, I said, I really like to have uh, – uh, Cliff Crochet and Keith Poche out at the same time. I just asked one question and stopped talking because I couldn't understand what either of you were saying. But uh, yeah. he, you're you're way easier than him, man. I still think he speaks a foreign language. Oh yeah, yeah. You can't understand him. Due yeah. to the fact your names are similar and, and you're yeah. you're both originally from Louisiana, uh, do you guys get confused for each other at all? All the time, uh, absolutely. Yeah, it's. Uh... <laughs> People get us mistaken all the time. You, you look at the lanes. You know, you got you got two Lane brothers, and then you got actually another Lane, which is not a brother, uh, Russ Lane, and uh, and they get kind of mixed up as well. So, yeah, it's 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 a little back and forth, but uh, you know, that's the, part of it. You know, you got to deal with it. The Lanes look like the Lanes look like twins. Uh, you don't look nothing like uh, Crochet. You're way better looking than he is. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no problem, man. Hey, I, I know how to suck up to my guests, huh? Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. <laughs> no, but uh, why did you move to? Why did you leave uh, Louisiana, move to Alabama? You know, I, it was just early on in, in in college. You know, I seen an opportunity to go to Troy University, and um, I went for a few years. And you know, you never know what life is going to bring you, and and you never close the door. And it was just something that uh, I went for, and um, of course. Fishing took off during that time while I was in school, uh, ended up pursuing fishing and, you know, went all in on it. And look, and here we are today, um, you know, 14 years later, well, 14 years on tour, but that, you know, that, that, that journey started a lot longer than that ago. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. Definitely, definitely understand that. You, uh, uh, 
we just talked about you winning this event uh, on, on Cherokee. Uh, it, it, it was big for you, and we talked about the boat. Uh, please explain what you're doing as far as uh, a boat for the year. Yeah, so, you know, I typically have a uh, 20-foot gator tracks um, with a 250, and I've, I've been running that on the Bass Pro Tour. But I also have my little 18-foot with, with a 115 uh, GT series to get tracks as well. I film my off the grids and I fish some opens out of it. Well, some things kind of came up and I couldn't get in my, my uh, 20 foot fast enough. And so I decided to um, just start both tours out of the little boat. Uh, I'd, I'd seen some lakes on the schedule that, that, that probably would play for uh, running a little boat. And I took a chance and, and here we are today. And we, we second, second event in on the Bass Pro Tour, we, we got a win and, it's definitely been worth uh, the while of, of making that, that tough decision to, to run it. Well, you know, I think it's amazing because the, the, the price of boats has gone absolutely wild, uh, uh, totally phenomenal what you can spend for a boat. And, and I look at these kids that are so into the fishing now, especially with the high school and college, and, and they're doing this, and after school ends, they want to go further, and then all of a sudden it's like you get slapped in the head Hey, hey, man, you're going to need a $80,000 truck to pull your $100,000 boat, and, and that's difficult. And I think when they look at a uh, when they look at a Keith Pochet with that 18-foot boat, it makes the world of fishing a little bit more accessible. It's certainly not cheap, uh, but, I, but I think it does make it look more like, yeah, anybody can do this. Yeah, absolutely. And, and whether it's a Gator Tracks or any other boat brand. I mean, I, I, I encourage all, anybody, all young um, inspiring fishermen to, to, to get a boat that's, that, that you feel comfortable in. Uh, it doesn't have to be an expensive boat. It can be old. It can be, you know, the carpet ripping up. I mean, as long as it runs and, you, and it's legal, go out and compete because it's not about the boat you're in. Uh, that, that has nothing to do with your abilities and, and how far you can take this because all that other stuff that the expensive boat and, and all the great equipment we, you know, we use on tour that'll come just worry about your fishing first and, and be successful and, and be competitive and go out there and focus on that and let the other come later because it's, it's not about how you look. I mean, you know, I feel like these guys, they, they buy all this stuff to try to, to look the part instead of, actually playing the part so <laughs> you know it, it, it's all a it's all an image so so don't worry about that you know the, the first time i ran a little boat uh, it was during the open and it was it was an old ebon rude 88 horse and it smoked and everybody made fun of me and i, I, I didn't care I, I got i got out there and i caught fish and i kicked their butt and they weren't laughing you know at, at weigh-in so that's what it's all about. It's about you going out there and not worrying about it and going out there and competing and catching your fish and, and doing what you have to do to be successful. Oh, great, 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 great answer. I think that's a, that's a wonderful thing to do. And I look at you and, and, and uh, I, I think of, uh, when I look at you, I think of John Cox and uh, look at that uh, too. I think John Cox, uh, you know, he, he's a, a aluminum, aluminum boat guy. Uh, he, he fishes, a schedule like you do, man, you guys are always on the water. It's amazing how these uh, tournaments back to back on you. And uh, uh, you, you like you like fishing you like fishing small water if at all possible. Uh, do you agree with me in that comparison? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, there, there's a there's advantages and disadvantages in, in fishing a boat like this. 
Uh, you know, I like getting back in places and, and, you know, the downside about getting in places like this, most of the time that the fish are, are, the numbers are limited. You gotta, you gotta manage your fish. Uh, you gotta have a couple of areas. You can't really overdo it. You have to, um, you know, just catch five, get out or, but, but a lot of times you'll go back in these things and, and man, it'd be some big fish, some good quality fish, you know, three to five pounds and, and you can really, really have a good event and, uh, whether it's going up way up a river or getting back in somewhere where another boat can't, you kind of get off to yourself, unpressured fish, because, you know, it, it's a good thing, but but this day and time, there's so many people on the water, and, you know, there's no secrets these days anymore, So and, and it's just a, a, a crapshoot almost to, to find something by yourself on the main lake. And so uh, I, I, I try to get away from people, and, and, and I use that angle to, to, to do that and, and, just, and just do my thing. And 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 hope that you know it, it works out every once in a while and, and last week it, it did well you know you're 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 very popular with the fans and i'm thinking uh, one of the rigors or one of the hardships of uh, professional tournament fishing is uh the fact that you will draw a crowd a lot of times you'll be on the water and you look around all of a sudden you got a bunch of local people in their boats uh coming up close to you they they want to watch you up close as close as they can without bothering you for for the most part i know you get bothered sometime but the fact that you're in the smaller boat and you can get into smaller water i think a lot of the locals a lot of the fans can follow you into those uh more backwater type of situations is that true and does that cause you any difficulty uh you know last week i mean that that was an opportunity for people to follow me because there's a boat ramp up there but typically um, a lot of these places are, are, are really uh, like a, so small that it's like a one boat in, one boat out kind of deal. And it's, and it's really hard for people to, 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 to follow you. And uh, but I mean, it's OK. I mean, that, that, that's good to have that. I mean, I, I encourage fans to, to, to come and, and, and be a part of it and see it and stuff like that. But but also be considered and, and not, you know, uh, be be in a place where it, it could hurt a, a, a guy in that position because you know it's real shallow it's real small and you know having uh, other boats around could could actually hurt the fishing so uh typically i mean they're they're, they're limited on, on where they can get to me so uh it, that, that's another reason why i kind of do what i do to kind of get by myself and, and not have to worry about any kind of pressure or anybody disturbing where i'm fishing what are you fishing beside the major league fishing bass pro tour of which you just had a victory uh, I said you're one of the busiest guys on tour. What else you got on the schedule? So I'm fishing the Elite Series. Uh, just finished up the Classic as well, right after uh, Cherokee, and uh, and then I'm fishing one division of the of the Open. So and I may I may cherry pick some Toyotas. I don't know, but uh, as of right now, that's what I'm guaranteed to fish. So uh, <laughs> quite a bit of fishing. <laughs> yeah, fishing, quite a you know, bit. Yeah, quite a bit. I I would say so. Have have you had any? Uh, I know in the past guys have tried to fish both the elites and the and the uh, uh, Bass Pro Tour, and have gotten into a situation where they had to cancel participation of one of them because they just overlapped too tightly. Do you have any of those on the schedule for this year? I do. Uh, yeah, the first event uh, we were at Okeechobee. Uh, for the leets and and Lake Toho, uh, for uh, the Bass Pro Tour. Now I was going to try to fish both. Uh, I was going to try to fish the leets on my day off while I was at Toho, but um, 
it just didn't work out. I was going to try to like, I was actually going to try to fish a half a day on Toho and leave early and then go down and fish the second half a day on Okeechobee for the leave. <laughs> oh, so, oh my goodness. Uh, yeah. Th yeah th they didn't let me do that. So uh, I said, you'd be the day. first one to ever do that in, in professional fishing. And that would have been unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it didn't work out, unfortunately, but uh, we definitely was trying to make it happen. But, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, there's another one that's going to be an issue. Uh, we got Murray coming up for the Bass Pro Tour, and it's actually during the off-limits of the Elite. So there will oh. be an automatic disqualification for me on, on the Murray event on the Elite. Yes. Oh, my. so you, you, you've got to, uh, you got to back off of that because of that little technicality. Right, yeah. And, you know, the, the reason why I'm doing this and, and I've decided to do it, for one, my family's behind me, and second, my sponsor's behind me, but uh, third, the I'm guaranteed two years on the lease. So I could, I could, I could finish last in every tournament, and, and it, it, it's not going to – I'm still guaranteed to come back in, in 24. So um, everybody was good with me taking this chance, and, and, and I just didn't want to pass up an opportunity. to. I didn't want to give up my – Bass Pro Tour qualification to continue to fish with them, and I didn't want to give up an elite invitation because you never know what may happen in 24. The schedule may align where I can fish both with no problem. Um, you, you you just never know. I mean, I, you want to keep your options open. You don't want to close the door unless you absolutely have to. But uh, on, the, on the other hand, oh, you know what? Let, let me take a quick break. I'd like to let our sponsors have a word. When we come back, we'll talk to Keith Pochet and talk about his sponsors that keep him on the water. I'm Steve Sarley. This is We Fish ASA. I'll be right back with more Keith Pochet right after this. For most anglers, the unexpected is expected. But what you can do is take matters into the seat of your, well, shorts. Meet Aftco's Overboard Shorts, winner of the iCast Best in Category for Technical Clothing. Built with a 100% submersible pocket that keeps the unexpected dry dock for the other guy. Overboard keeps the good times rolling and your valuables safe for the next adventure. Overboard Shorts from Aftco. Learn more at aftco.com overboard. Bass anglers have heard it all when it comes to manufacturers having the best casting rail. Well, Daiwa can back it up with the Tatula SV. The Tatula SV has three key features that make it the most versatile casting reel on the market today. The SV spool is a lightweight aluminum spool allowing for long control light lure casting. MAG4Z gives you the option to set a precise casting range no matter what lure or wind situation. The Daiwa T-Wing system reduces line angle and friction when casting. Distance, control, and finesse like no other reel on the market. Tatula, the ultimate finesse long cast system designed by Daiwa. The St. Croix story has evolved over 70 years. With gritty determination, St. Croix built the most advanced fishing rod facility in the world. And with it, a world-class brand that has earned the respect and admiration of anglers around the planet. We will continue to challenge ourselves, our employees, and our partners to be the best every day. We're proud to celebrate 70 years of passion and commitment to making the best rods on earth. St. Croix. Welcome back to We Fish ASA. I'm Steve Sarley. I'm visiting with a champion, Mr. Keith Pochet. He just won a, his first Major League Fishing Bass Pro Tour event on Cherokee Lake. I, I won it in spectacular fashion. 
He's a good guy, and uh, explain it to us why he is the busiest guy on the water right now. We talked about uh, uh, you know uh, conflicting events and having to back out of one for another. When you do something like that, and you have to you have to back out for reasons not your own, could cost you an angler of the year, right? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, what, what what the that being said, with, with me having to do that, one of the reasons why I am uh, elected to skip out on the elites is because for one, I'm guaranteed two years over there, so I can right. miss an event and not have and not affect me. Uh, points wise or any issues with that but but there again with the bass pro tour you know i'm doing good over there i have an opportunity to make red crest um possibly a L Y. so um a couple a couple events in uh i'm going to focus on that one uh to be my number one go-to and, and just and not 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 that at least is not important or or, or I'm, I'm, I'm you know saying it's it's not nothing it's less than mnf but i i just want to keep myself in in position um, moving forward for uh, greater opportunities, if you will. Yeah, yeah, it makes makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot, lot of sense to me. And uh, you you got it figured out pretty well. When I say angler of the year, uh, that's something that uh, has got to be near and dear to you since you were a former angler of the year winner. Yeah, yeah, I won the uh, points and the opens last year. Had a really good year. Uh, Fishing out of the, the same uh, size on the boat, eighteen foot gator tracks, and and the same as I did uh, last week, doing what I like to do, going back and stuff. And, you know, I, I can't. I finished second at the James River. I found a backwater pond. It, it was it was really hard to get to, and it was just absolutely loaded. And then you know, doing that same style throughout the year, getting back in places. You know, you know, I I didn't like waylay them every tournament but i survived and i had it i was very consistent and i and i, and I had a lot of good top finishes and then of course went in the red river um uh, in freeport louisiana and it was, was really special and which qualified me for the bass classic and you know part and 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 one of the events that helped me get that aoy so uh yeah it was just a great year overall uh doing what i like to do having fun and, and when you're in that position, like I said, you're going to make really good decisions. You're going to fish comfortable, and you're going to just you're going to be a lot of, really really successful. Excellent, excellent. Hey, you just mentioned Bassmaster Classic. You fished that just a uh, couple days ago before we talk it here on the phone. Uh, you fished in the Classic. You finished uh, uh, you finished 26th in the Classic, uh, which is pretty gosh darn good to even make it in the first place. Uh, how the heck did you juggle pre-fishing for Cherokee and fishing the classic? It was almost right. On, uh, they almost uh, fell right on top of each other. Yeah, absolutely, and it was very tough. And uh, you know, definitely honored to 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 have that opportunity to be there and and fish both. And uh, but you know, I made the best best of it. I, I didn't get to practice much on classic waters just because of schedule wise with the Bass Pro Tour. But um, you know, it's it's fishing, man, and and you know, you got to trust your instincts. You got you got to trust your abilities um, and do what you do. And and a lot of times, if you think about it, you know, uh, when we practice, we find fish. And and so I just went practicing the first day of the classic, and and had a really good day. So. Um, you, you just got to go with it sometimes and, and know that you're going to go out and work your butt off and, 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 and look at what's in front of you and fish that day. 
and just figure them out. You know, I think it's interesting because you're out there when you're when you're pre-fishing, and there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of psychology to pre-fishing. But you're you're out there in that 18 foot boat, and you're you're on some skinny water that isn't fished as much. Are you fishing or are you looking? Uh, I would think that in some of that water that you are successful in, it would be very easy to burn those spots. Oh yeah, absolutely. I would much rather see them with my eyes than than than, than catch them with with a bait. Uh, yeah, because I mean, typically, if you can see them and you got confidence to know that there's fish there, uh, you know, when you get there for competition, you're gonna slow down, you're gonna really pick it apart, you're gonna fish well, and 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 you're gonna catch those fish. So. Uh, yeah, I'd much rather see them, and I don't set the hook a lot, even when I'm fishing, and, and it's a situation where if the water's dirty, you have to fish for them to, to get bites to know that there's fish there. A lot of times, I won't even set the hook at all. Like, I don't even know what they are. They could be, you know, 10 inches, or they could be 5-pounders. I don't have a clue, because you have to you have to just, you know, know that, you know, hey, I'm getting bit. Let, let's just go with it. That's all I got. I don't want to burn any, potentially burn any fish that could help me in the in the tournament. You ever uh, you ever take your hooks off and 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 fish hookless to see if you can uh, see if they can make a move without actually biting on you? Absolutely, absolutely, all the time. Yeah, that's that's just something that you that you do to to, to get bites and, and not have to worry about hooking them. And uh, but you know, so, sometimes I every once in a while I, I may catch one. Just to see what it is, but typically I don't I don't catch them at all because you know you can you can feel a bite depending on what type of bait you're fishing with you can kind of tell oh, that's a little one you know so yeah yeah you, sometimes you have to go through uh, go through it until you until you if I, until you see a, a decent one but most of the time I'm I'm shaking everything off. You have uh, fished under all of the different rule parameters there are. You have. Uh, Fished under the Major League Fishing Most Legal Fish in a Day. You fished under the Bassmaster Five Biggest Fish in a Day. Now, of course, Major League Fishing is currently back to the five fish limit for the majority of the events, not carved in stone, can change. Uh, is one of these styles or one of these rules more advantageous for Keith Pochet? You know, I, I really enjoyed the every fish count. Um, you know that, that I think that that has its times, and, and especially in the cups and the, the team, the new team deal we're doing uh, over on Major League Fishing. But but uh, you know, after now going to the five fish, it, it, it allows me to to do what I do. I mean, it, it plays in my hand, if you will, because yeah, you know, like like I've expressed before, that a lot of these places don't have a lot of fish, so. As long as I can go in there and get a couple good ones, that that's the difference. Because all you got to get is five. So that plays in my hand because I'm not forced to have to catch numbers. Now I can just catch big ones. And I'm really, really liking that now uh, moving forward. So I like both. But as of right now, what I'm doing with this little boat, the the, the five fish is, is better for me. Okay. That's good. Good answer. Good answer. Uh, what, now that you're a, a Alabama resident, uh, do you have a home lake in Alabama? Yeah, absolutely. The, the Alabama River. I live right there, close to it. Uh, it's where the Coosa and Tallapoosa come come together. 
Lee Tomka, Montgomery, and uh, forms the Alabama River, and it's a phenomenal fishery. It's got some big spotted bass and big largemouth, and there's a lot of backwaters. This has stuff that I can I can get my little boat in, and I, I go out all the time. I take my daughters out. We go out and have fun. I got a few little old honey holes I'll go, and we'll just go fun fishing every so often. But, but yeah, it's a great fishery, and uh, it's got a lot of stuff I like to fish. When you were uh, when you were living in Louisiana, what was your home water then? You know, to be honest with you, uh, when I was in Louisiana, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I when I growing up living in Louisiana, I did not do any competitive fishing. Um, a lot of people don't know that. But I didn't, I didn't start competitive fishing until or fished any tournament until I moved to Alabama. So my fishing. Um, in Louisiana was ponds and little bayous and stuff like that. So I, I was not like a big, you know, go to Toledo and this and that. Not no, I was always scared to go to that big water, but because I didn't have a big boat to do that. I just had a little John boat. So yeah, my, my tournament uh, career started once I was in college and uh, really took off. And I, and I really started to, to pursue that avenue at that time. Well, there's going to be a, a lot of people disappointed hearing this because you've got an event coming up. It's uh, heavy hitters uh, in uh, in the end of April. Uh, I didn't check. Well, this. I didn't make heavy hitter. Yeah, oh. I, I missed it by a little bit last year. Yeah. I, you know that just that thought crossed my mind. You know because I figure you qualify for everything because that's actually in Louisiana, and I was saying, boy, they're going to be favoring you, but they're making a mistake because uh, you don't have any competitive advantage there. Yeah, right. No, what? I sure don't, man. And uh, yeah, I mean, my tournament, uh, my tournament career didn't start till I left Louisiana, so I didn't fish a lot of those lakes growing up. All right, fair, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, uh, do you get back to Louisiana at all? Absolutely, all the time. Uh, that's where all my family is, and uh, I love getting back and eating crawfish and let my daddy cook me some some good old food, man. That's it's always good to get back. Oh, that that sounds that sounds really good. Tell me about your sponsors. Who you got on your shirt? So yeah, I've been with Pure Fishing for quite a while now. Which uh, Pure Fishing is the umbrella company to uh, Fenwick Rods, which is my title sponsor. Abu Garcia Rios and uh, Berkeley Baits, uh, Fenor sunglasses. Um, you know, of course, Gator Tracks boats, Mercury. Mer I've uh, been with Frog Togs uh, pretty much most of my career. It's a great company, great running suit, and they, they make some really good stuff. And uh, American Sportfish uh, has been a part of that, too. They're, they're in Alabama, not far from where I live now. They're, they're a, um, a, a hatchery. They, 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 they uh, stock ponds, and they manage ponds. They build ponds. So if anybody's interested in, in any kind of uh, pond or, or small lake uh, work, you know, give them a shot. They, they're a big operation. They get it done. So, but yeah, uh, man, I, you know, and you know, I got a few other sponsors that, you know, I, and I couldn't, I couldn't do with all these guys. I mean, it's a, it's a huge support group I have. Uh, my, my family is probably my number one sponsor, you know, yeah. me, allowed me to, to do what I do and, and go and be away from home. So it, it's just, re I'm really blessed to be where I'm at and have the opportunities and the people that, that are behind me to support me for sure. Between the Bass Pro Tour and the Elites, is there one event in particular coming up this season that you're particularly looking forward to? Yes, sir. It's the Sabine River. And why? <laughs> well, you know, I, I've, I've fished three or four events at Elites there, and I've, I've done well in every event. I almost won it the last time I was away. I went way up, way up the Sabine River, of course, finished third. I didn't even go to my fish the first day because I, I was scared that the water was too low. I couldn't get there. 
so and it's got a lot of backwater, a lot of little cuts, a lot of little bayous that I can I can get in with my little gator tracks uh, that other guys can't. So I feel like that I, I got an advantage. Uh, I'm going to spend some time over there, go look around and see if I can figure out uh, maybe the winning area and uh, hopefully, you know, get it done because I've, I've been so close over there. I'd like to go ahead and close the door this year. Excellent. Very good. Well, we'll look forward to watching that one. We'll look forward to watching uh, the entire season of Keith Poche. Hey, just Google him. You'll find out he just fished a tournament last week. That's pretty much what his old 2023 is. Fish, fish, fish. He's yep. he's dang good. He's a he's a good guy, a good example to the young people today. Uh, check out his website. Uh, you know, uh, Google Keith Poche. Go to his website. He, he's a good guy. He's involved in a lot of charitable things. We didn't get to talk to. Next time we will. I look forward to talking to you again, Keith. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. I've enjoyed it and uh, good talking to you. Appreciate it, Keith Poche. Everybody. That wraps up this week's edition of the We Fish ASA podcast, the best darn fishing show on the radio or the internet in the entire USA. I'd like to thank our guests, Dan Johnston from St. Croix, Calcutta. They brought us another great guest, as they always do. And then Keith Poche. Goodness gracious, boy, does this guy fish enough? I sure think he does. I'd like to thank our sponsors, St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Calcutta, makers of a line of products that fit your fishing lifestyle and passion, and Daiwa. We've got your bass covered. They do. Daiwa Reels. Remember that We Fish ASA presents a new episode of our one-hour podcast each and every week. It's available 24-7 wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to check out our website, wefishasa.com. If you like what you hear, let us know. If there's something you'd like to hear us talk about or somebody we ought to have on the show, let us know that too. I'm Steve Sarley. My partner's Dave Kranz. We'll see you next week. Now, let's go fishing. I'm professional angler Kevin Van Dam, and people always ask me, what's the best and easiest way to catch fish? Well, that's simple. Keep our waterways clean and free of litter. You know, tossing your worn-out lures in the lake is not a winning move. Pitch them in the trash. Do your part and join me. Visit KeepAmericaFishing.org and pledge to pitch it.